Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guests on today's podcast, I have two guests that are connected to BYU that are in my home. Uh, my friends, Joey Shepard and Sarah Coyne. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having us. Let's have Joey introduce himself first. Um, himself. Just however you want to introduce yourself. Um. Yeah, so I'm Joey. I use they, them pronouns. I'm in my uh, first semester of my master's program at BYU, studying human development. Um, I consider myself a nomad. I've moved around my entire life. Um, ben and Jerry's is my favorite brand of ice cream. Um, yeah, I think that's a good summary of myself. Oh, I like playing D&D with my friends. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm genderqueer. I'm not sure what else I need to say. You're doing a good job. It's kind of just an <laughs> open-ended question. Tell our listeners two more follow-up questions. What was your undergraduate and what school did you go to? And then tell people that are not familiar with the term genderqueer what that means. Um, okay, so I did my undergrad, my bachelor's at um, BYU as well. I was I studied family studies, which is kind of psychology of the family unit. Um, to me personally, genderqueer, um, I like that term because I, um, I'm still kind of figuring, figuring it all out, if that makes sense. So I, I really like genderqueer, uh, gender fluid as I'm trying to navigate this. So it's kind of nice, a nice space for me to be in, um, to have a label that, um, isn't totally a label. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And. Um, if anybody, maybe you're a podcast that someone's listened to for the first time that's taking they, them pronouns, give our listeners a little education one-on-one on that. Yeah. So, um, using they, them pronouns for me, um, it's, it's, well, first off it's gender neutral, right? Um, I think in the English language, we think our language isn't that, uh, gendered, but it is. I've like wondered, I'm like, am I an aunt? Am I an uncle? Am I a niece? Am I a nephew? You know, um, we've started to develop new words for these things, but um, we've been using they, them pronouns for a long time, but we normally use them to describe someone if we don't know their gender, right? So like if someone forgot their keys, right? We say, oh, look, someone forgot their keys. I wonder where they are. Um, I wonder when they'll come back to get them, right? Um, but when using a specific person, once we know the person, very rarely do we use they, them pronouns, um, the singular they, right? And so it's called conjugate the same. So if you were to talk about me, you say, Joey, they are a wonderful person and I love them and they're phenomenal, which are all true things. Very true. It's great. Thank you for just kind of walking us along this road so we can do better and we know better we do better. And Listeners, Joey's been a friend for quite a while. I think I've known Joey for four or five years mm-hmm. early when I stepped it's into true. space. And we've traded messages. We've been at North Star together. This is a good man. Person. Um, person. person. <laughs> I'm glad you both. I knew I'd kind of slipped up there. I looked at they, them. and didn't have, you know, but just a good person. And they, um, with significant contributions to society, doing much good. Yeah, thanks. So glad you're here, Joey. Uh, Dr. Sarah Coyne, 
Um, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Coyne. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm a professor at BYU in the School of Family Life. I've been there since 2007. I said the impact that media has on children and families. And I have five children. And uh, we live in, in Salem. And um, where did you get your PhD? To help our listeners just to understand a little bit more about to be a doctor at BYU is a big deal. <laughs> and have a PhD, share with our listeners, and maybe it's good for others that are considering following a road that you've walked, just a little bit about that road. Yeah, so I have a PhD in psychology from the University of Central Lancashire, uh, which is in Preston, England. So, and then I was a professor there for about four years before coming to BYU. What is your connection to Preston, England? So my husband is from Dublin, Ireland. And uh, when we got married, he was in school in Preston. And so I applied all over the place, but um, the person that I actually wanted to work with happened to be in Preston. And so, you know, kind of felt like it was meant to be. And I love, love living there. Really, really good chocolate. Not so good weather. (laughs) (laughs) We could talk listeners about Preston, England for a while, because I spend about four months there on my mission. Oh, great. Beautiful place. And um, the River Ribble, I believe, is where the first converts to the church were baptized outside of the United States. Very true. And there's a temple in Preston. And there wasn't when I served there, and there is now. Mm -hmm. And that was there when you were there. Yeah. Our mission president, um, he was a young guy. He's still alive, 35 years removed from my mission. He was in his 30s, and one day we... I happened to be in Preston. Those days, he took a small group of missionaries to the River Ribble and baptized his eight-year-old son. That's really neat. In the River Ribble. Probably cold, though. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah. Um, thanks for your work, um, Dr. Coyne. She'll be embarrassed when I say this, but often I'll Google my guests, especially a BYU professor. And um, there's a lot of wonderful things being said about you in lots of different circles of people that are connected to you and your work and your um, what you're doing at BYU. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, thank, um, thanks very much. And so I'll leave it there, but you're doing a really wonderful job. We're going to listeners talk about a study these two have put together, and um, I'll let them introduce the study. But part of the purpose of this podcast is to generate participants for the study. So in the podcast description, we'll link to um, more about the study, how you'd enroll if you'd like to enroll. And so that's what we're going to talk about quite a bit in this study. And I think they'll talk about why they decided to do this, the divine sort of inspiration and impressions to do this, for these two to come together to do this, and the focus of the study and what some of the hopeful results are going to be. So if I'll let either of you just go at this point, and you're welcome to clarify what I just said if I misspoke. Sure, yeah, I'm happy to take that one on. Um. So I teach the Eternal Family class at BYU, which is a a beautiful and complicated class to teach. And I have many queer students in my classes that I love that are struggling with these these big issues about, you know, kind of, is there a place for me? How do I fit in? And I was driving to work one day and I was listening to the questions from the, no, what is it? Questions from the Closet podcast uh, by Ben Shalati and Charlie Barrett Bird. And a particular episode was called, Is There a Place for Me in the Church? And it is a, a beautifully vulnerable and raw episode where they talk about 
you know, I'm not sure if there is a place for me in the church as a, as a gay Latter-day Saint. And it takes me about a half an hour to drive to work. And when I pulled up, I was just crying in my car and wanting to try to figure out how I could help. You know, I, I teach the class. I try to think about these things in really thoughtful ways. You know, what, what could I contribute as a straight cisgender woman, basically? And um, just got a, a strong spiritual prompting that said, you know, something you're good at is research. You know, that's something that you can do really well. And so I thought, you know what, I, I should do a research project on um, LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and spaces of belonging and what that actually looks like. But, but I went to my office and I was like, what am I thinking? Like I have, you know, 10,000 other studies. I don't actually study this topic at all. I study media, media effects. And so kind of dismissed it. And then on the way home from work, I listened to the second half of the podcast and Ben Shalati got on and he said, okay, you know, that thing that came to mind, whatever you're thinking about, do that thing. And I was just filled with the spirit to just said, I need to do this thing. This is something that I need to spend my time doing. This is a way I can contribute. This is a way how I can help. And so I called Ben up the next day and I said, hey, guess what? I'm going to do a study on this. And since you and God kind of told me to do it, will you collaborate with me? <laughs> and so that's, that's where the study got to start. That's great and needed. And I remember that podcast well. That's a great podcast. We may link to that listeners in our podcast because it's a terrific podcast that Ben and Charlie did. Joey, you've got some thoughts here. Yeah. So um, I think this is kind of where I come into the story. Um, so I, um, at this point during this time that uh, Sarah is um, kind of receiving this prompting to start the study, um, I was trying to navigate what to do with the future. I was in my last year at BYU and um, I don't know, after everything that happened with the honor code at BYU, I was just, just really exhausted. I think I was just hoping to really find a break. You know, one of my friends told me that like, perhaps I would enjoy church more if it wasn't in my face every single day. You know, here I am in a, you know, scientific methods class and we're talking about, you know, the eternal family somehow gets worked into it, um, which is wonderful, but also sometimes really painful for me as a queer person. And, um, so I, gosh, I, I just didn't really know what I was supposed to do um, or really what I wanted to do. I was just lacking a lot of direction. And I remember um, that I was shopping um, just in the grocery store with my good friend, Ben, right? And, um, and here I was just talking about how I don't know what to do with graduate school, how I, pro I applied to a program at BYU, but I wasn't really sure I was really going to do it because there wasn't really anyone doing any research that I really wanted to do. Primarily in my undergrad, a lot of what I studied was kind of like um, LGBTQ LDS families. I did my capstone on um, transgender, mem transgender members of the church um, and their mental health, right? And how to create safe spaces for them. And so I was primarily looking for someone that I could do this research with and continue on. My plan is to be a professor and do this research in the future. And so um, I applied to this program and there wasn't really anyone for me to work with. 
And then Ben kind of said, okay, well, I'm going to shift topics a little. I really want to share something really exciting. I'm like, okay, you know, what's going on? He's like, so my good friend, Sarah Coyne is starting this new LGBTQ project. And I literally like stopped in the bread aisle. And I was like, Ben, that's the program I just applied to when I have an interview this Friday for that program. And so I think this was a Saturday. And so I quickly emailed Sarah Coyne and um, Ben did too. And I think I just want to take just a quick second to explain um, my relationship with Sarah Coyne. So Sarah and I, while we were in the same department, we didn't cross paths that often. Um, she primarily studies media in the family. And that's not something I really studied before. I worked a lot with um, Quentin Hunt, who is doing a great um, uh, LDS transgender study right now. He did a lot more qualitative work, which is interviewing, right? I worked a lot with him. Um, and so um, there was a professor that I had that was um, saying some really, really hurtful things about uh, transgender individuals. Um, at this point, I had told uh, no one about my gender identity, um, not a single person. And, um, and when I say not a single person, I mean, like, obviously there's God, but like, I, uh, I had, like, I hadn't told, my therapist, um, I hadn't told, um, some of the closest people to me. And so, um, but I felt like I needed to like file a grievance, file a complaint, to, like do something without, um, telling this professor who, um, obviously I hadn't told anyone about my gender identity. So I didn't feel comfortable, um, telling this professor. And so, um, I went to, um, Sarah Coyne. So Sarah Coyne is the associate director of the school of family life. And so I went to her to try and navigate to see what to do. I wasn't sure exactly what I could um, do in the situation. And I was describing how hurtful it was. Um, I just, I mean, I couldn't keep it in anymore. Um, and I just started crying in her office saying, um, and this impacts me because I experienced gender dysphoria. Um, and this is why I'm filing this complaint, right? Um, and um, and Sarah just cried with me. And um, you know, that was the first time I told anyone. And so uh, that was my really only experience with Sarah. And so I knew going forward working this project um, that Sarah was uh, a safe person for me to work with um, on this project. And that this isn't some, you know, sting operation from BYU, you know, to catch me. Um, I think the hard thing I was trying to deal with was that like, oh gosh, I have to do my master's at BYU. This is something I'm going to have to continue to wrestle with and not get that break I just needed. Um, but I stayed because uh, this study, I feel like, you know, it's obviously very dear to my heart. This study is, it's an opportunity for, you know, people like me to like share our stories, the good and the bad. And there's some really great LGBTQ LDS research that's going on right now. Tyler um, Lefevre, who you had on the podcast, is doing some great research. Um, you know, I just feel like something that's really unique with this is that this is, you know, qualitative um, and that we want to hear the entire story for someone. Um, and for someone who I feel like I sometimes can only share part of my story with certain people, I was really grateful for Sarah to create a space where I could be completely myself. Thank, thank you, Joey. Um, yeah, I remember that day very well. It was a sacred experience for me. Um, and thank you for telling me. That's so much, especially 
given our relationship now and the opportunity I have to be your advisor. Um, Richard, can I talk a little bit about the, the study um, in particular and what we're, what we're, what we're looking for? Um, so like, like Joey said, it's a qualitative study. So that just means it's an interview. So people would come and just tell their stories. And unlike a lot of other studies that have been done on this topic, we're interested in looking at church culture in particular. So not necessarily doctrine, but the culture and culture can be different depending on the ward that you're in. Um, some LGBTQ individuals have a wonderful ward culture where they feel loved and accepted and like they have a place to belong and, and others have the complete opposite experience. So we're all in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, but with, with widely different experiences. And so that's something that this study will explore are, are what, have, what are the really positive, supportive um, things that people are doing to create spaces of belonging at church? And then what are the things that maybe makes church a toxic place for some people? Um, I love this sort of distinction between culture and doctrine. Um, mm -hmm. In this space, some feel like our doctrine needs to change or will change. And I try not to get into that too much because it's something I don't control. Um, but I think another space is what can we do within our own doctrine, which is culture and creating a feeling of belonging, that there's a pretty low bar in some ways on what we can do better just to create a better experience for LGBTQ members at church that doesn't require a change in doctrine. So I'm sure you two know this really well, and many of my listeners do. There's difficult things that happen at church that are culture and that your research can help address and understand how we can do better. When we know better, we do better. And often that's through the storytelling and the research you're doing. Talk about if a listener's listening right now wondering, would I meet the criteria to be in this study? Talk about, unless you have already, I can't remember. <laughs> good. One of you could talk about the criteria. Yeah. Um, so there's primarily three things, right? to see if you qualify. One is if you are above the age of 18. Um, if you identify as being LGBTQ+, experiencing same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. Um, and third, if you are currently or have ever been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so um, what, what will probably happen is you will take a really short survey just to see if you qualify. And if you do, you'll answer a few um, demographic questions about your age um, and perhaps some available times that perhaps will work for you and your schedule. And our research assistants will reach out to you to schedule a time for an interview that will happen over Zoom. Um, and when Sarah and I talk about this, you know, when we talk about, you know, the participants we want, you know, in our study, we really want... Um, the diversity of all ranges of experiences. You know, we want someone who um, is a closeted member of the church, hasn't told anyone. Uh, we want diversity um, in people, um, LGBTQ individuals who have left the church for perhaps 20 years, those who are still active. We want diversity in um, age. Um, we want L every single LGBTQ letter, um, like intersex, um, asexual. We, we really want to really try and see if we can capture um, really all these experiences you have going to church and what makes sometimes church really great and what makes it really hard. Um, yeah. Thank, thanks, Joey. And I, 
I think that the reason why we're collecting these stories is to try to figure out how to create better spaces of belonging. So when you think about uh, the suicide literature and um, we know that those who are LGBTQ plus have a greater likelihood of experiencing suicidal ideation and suicide attempts. Um, one of the ways to decrease that risk is to provide a place to belong. And that can be anywhere, right? It can be, you know, family, community, with God, all those things. But, but one place could be church. And so we're trying to figure out what that could be look like. What, what would be a Zion-like way to think about how to include LGBTQ plus members in our local wards? This is really needed. Um, talk about, is this, I, I think I know the answer, but I'll just, I won't make sure our listeners know, is this sponsored by BYU, approved by BYU? Are you two kind of doing this on the side as a kind of an interest? And is the church as a whole, sometimes BYU does stuff and the church kind of gets involved and says, please do this. Or is this kind of just a BYU, not just a BYU thing, because that's a cool thing, but just help our listeners understand more about that. So I'm a professor at BYU. Joey's a student at BYU. So, so it's through BYU. Um, I need to be very clear. It's not from the formal church. Um, although we had to go through a pretty big approval process to make sure that we got approval from the church, but they wanted to be very clear to say, this is not from us. We're not asking you to do this. Um, nothing like that. So as a professor, I, I have some latitude about the projects I, I want to do and like to pursue. And, and so this is where it is. That's good. And, um, you were, you do a lot of research, Dr. Coyne. I'm mean, just looking at, yeah. <laughs> you've done, I think hundreds of articles. It sounds like that's, I know you're a really good teacher and you have this compassionate heart that Joey's just talked about, but it seems like you're also very interested in research. I love to do research. I, I learned that when I was 20 years old and I did an honors thesis and kind of asked a question nobody had ever asked before. And then I found the answer out right at age 20. And I was kind of hooked. And research is such a creative pursuit. It allows us to ask big, deep questions, which I'm, I'm kind of do that just in general, and to help us explore what those answers might be. That's great. Um, talk about if, am I go, if I'm going to you know, if a listener is going to enroll, will they, will you, one of you be the interviewers, interviewers, or will it be a TA or who, and then talk about the confidentiality. Like I'm at this, I'm assuming the Zoom's recorded. Talk a little bit about um, what becomes of the Zoom recording where I'm pretty vulnerable and pretty honest with my lived experience. Yeah. So um, we have a research team that we've been heavily training to do this. and. Um, I would say almost half are, um, identifies LGBTQ plus and the other half identifies allies. Um, and very intense training process. Um, and so as far as doing the interviews, it might be Sarah or I, um, but it depends on scheduling purposes. Um, as far as confidentiality, that was one of the huge processes of um, applying for this, um, of trying to get this approved is um, these are really sensitive things. And we want everyone to know that we have taken every step necessary, um, that this is completely confidential. All information will be de-identified. So your story will be there. But every step 
and precaution has been taken so that your identity will still be valued and your story will still be shared, but people won't know who you are. That's great. That's great. Um, talk about um, why you want, I know, kind of know the answer to some of these questions. At least I think I do, but not always. Why would you talk to people who are out of the church? That, that's a great question. Um, we know a lot of LGBTQ individuals feel like they need to leave the church. And, you know, they have all, all sorts of reasons for doing that. And part of that could be doctrinal, uh, but part of that could be cultural as well. And so we feel we, we would be missing out on, on a lot of the stories, um, good or for bad, uh, about what happens in church culture if we did not interview those who weren't in the church. Um, yeah, I'll just say, I don't know, I'll get a little personal here. I don't think I'll get in trouble for this. Go for it. <laughs> um, I feel like we need to interview people who are no longer members of the church or no longer attending because it's probably going to be me at some point. Um, you know, I think that's why I'm so grateful for Sarah doing the studies because some of the hardest things with church has nothing to do with the doctrine per se, but how the doctrine is um, used against me so often. Um, I had a friend explain it to me and I really identify with just that like, sometimes it feels like I'm constantly in a job interview or I'm having to prove my worthiness over and over and over again. Um, and I say, it's exhausting. Um, to feel like people are suspicious of me and the, this community that was my community for so many years growing up, that was my lifeline moving around so much. The one consistent thing of my childhood um, has been this community that has now hurt me so much because I don't feel like I have a place that I belong. Um, and so I feel like it is talking to LGBTQ plus um, former members of the church. That, I mean, that's how we find out, um, you know, what are we doing wrong in a lot of ways? You know, and I think it's kind of like Sarah and I both love research. We're both huge nerds. Super nerds. Um, so I think it's finding, you know, this isn't just, as I always say, like a sample size of one, just my experience. What are the empirical evidence? What are the common themes that LGBTQ plus, you know, current or former Latter-day Saints have experienced, right? And um, like, for example, talking to those who've left the church versus those who are current, maybe those who have current have a loving and accepting word that provide that space of, you know, kind of this ambiguity that we don't have all the answers, but we want you here. And I think in my situation, you know, if I'm being totally honest, I haven't gone to church a lot this past year. I bounce wards a few times because it's really hard to it's been really hard for me to find a place that I belong. Joey, thanks for being so honest. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> I hope everybody can feel the sincere heart and the honest pain of your situation and the love you have for the church, how much it's been a part of your life, but not sure that this will be possible for you in the future. Um, it's just honest. And I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable. And this is a safe place. And I'm glad you've got safe people in your life like Sarah 
I think that's part of ministering listeners is we just listen to people's stories and we create a safe place that they can fully open up how they feel. Yeah, I, I think I'll just share this. I think one of my, Sarah's and I's concerned with this, doing this study is that, um, you know, people who have been LGBTQ plus individuals who have been really hurt by the church, um, we'll see that this is a BYU study and we'll not want to participate. And then, you know, LGBTQ plus individuals who are currently in the church um, and who've had great experience with the church um, will feel like this is just a study to, you know, tear down the church and they wouldn't want to participate either. Um, and I feel like I'm just trying to be really honest where I am, where I feel um, that we, we really want the whole story. We want everyone to participate in this with all experiences, because that's what we're trying to capture is all the experiences of LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints regarding church experiences with church culture. Do you think I covered that right? I, I think that's great. It, it reminds me of a devotional that Dieter Fuchdorf gave at BYU. And he says, we're seekers, you and I. We are like gatherers. And, you know, that, that's what we're doing. We're just, we're just seeking. We're gathering stories. We want to hear it all. Talk more. I know you're going to have this research at some point done, and I'd love you to come back on the podcast and share that. But I want to stick with your story a little bit, Joey, because you've been pretty honest and you've got a great heart. And talk about, you know, talk about, and, and you can give a sample size of one. <laughs> talk about your, and this is you talking to listeners that want to not wait for the research and want to do a better job of making sure people like Joey feel like they belong. Mm. And so talk about what we can do better right now, just for you. It's a sample size of one and maybe some perspective you have from other queer Latter-day Saints. Just what can we do to help you feel like you're belong and needed? Oh boy. Um, I will <laughs> say it's uh, much easier for me to talk about the research than myself because <laughs> um, it's more easier for me behind um, empirical evidence than, um, you know, giving a sample size of one, because I feel like it's very easy for people to dismiss my experience. Um, I would say, like me, like, I, I think I use, I want to use probably this term when I say BYU and the church, I use them synonymously in the sense of um, creating spaces in the church communities for LGBTQ individuals. Um, for me, I know that I... Um, I could not be at BYU if it wasn't for Sarah. Um, Sarah. Um, um, She has mourned with me and comforted me when I was in need of it. And I know that I can share anything with her, the good and the bad. And she's going to listen and going to be there for me. And I think that exemplifies who she is as a person and as a researcher. 
that if I didn't have her as an advisor and colleague and friend, I'm not sure that I could be at BYU. Um, she is a creative space where I can navigate this with her and not by myself. And I, I think that's what she's seeking to do, you know, with this study is, um, I know this is maybe sounds silly or cliche because people say all the time, but she's like walking with me, you know, on this journey. And, you know, she doesn't shame me when I share how Elder Holland's talk was really hurtful. You know, um, you know, she really empathizes. Um, I, Sarah has helped me feel like I belong to BYU. Thank, thank, thank you for saying that. It's um, it's a privilege to be your advisor, and it makes me angry when you say you feel like you have to prove your worthiness over and over again to people um, because of your identity. And I'm just like, if you knew Joey, like they're awesome, like they're the coolest. They don't need to prove anything. And I think that's how we create spaces of belonging: is we we just listen and we have open hearts and open minds and, and we're willing to walk with each other. I think that's truly how we create spaces of belonging. This is, you know, I, what Joey and Sarah have here to me can scale. There's no magical, well, there is a magical formula, but I don't think Sarah becoming a PhD gave her the skills to walk with Joey. I think it's her baptism covenants to mourn, bear, and comfort and understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it helps your PhD and have some real skill and just relationships. But I think my point here is I think we can all do what Sarah's doing with Joey. And my guess is, Joey, Sarah doesn't have the answer to every question you have. Nope. No, <laughs> not at all. And so... Often walking with someone doesn't mean that we have the answer. We just walk with them and we just mourn, bear more in comfort and we honor their pain. We don't make them validate their pain or prove their pain. We just walk with them and be a safe place so they can always turn to us. And I look at how healing and helpful this is for you, that this one relationship has changed your whole feeling about BYU. This one relationship, and maybe there's others like Ben. Yeah, I, sh- I should I should clarify that there there's, have been some great people. You know, Laura Walker, Quentin Hunt, Ben. Like, there's been a you know, and these are just like you know, professors and friends. But there's been many people. But I just like the reason why I brought up Sarah was because I just Sarah and I work very very closely together. Like, I see Sarah um, probably almost on an every other day basis. And we work very closely. Um, and so Sarah really sees and gets the brunt of me being a queer person at BYU constantly, you know? Um, and so I feel like when you are given the privilege and the blessing of being so close to being to an LGBTQ child of God, whether that being their parent, their sibling, 
their ministering person, their, you know, church leader, their advisor in a master's program. When you get that privilege to be with this person so much, um, that really is a blessing from the Lord to learn how to love them as I know that God loves me. And I feel like, I don't know, I wouldn't say that, you know, certainly changed my mind about BYU per se. And BYU is still hard. Um, and there's still really great things about it too, but it's still hard. Um, I just think that Sarah just created a space for me to actually share these things. Does that make any sense? Like, it like does, I no? share these things, these share these things with Sarah that normally I like, and with uh, that I normally I could only either do with a few other people, right? And you used to read a good word, no shame. You brought yeah. up the shame word, and that Sarah doesn't create any shame. And if you have a difficult experience with a church leader or a church experience, Sarah can sit with you. I've learned to validate people's pain doesn't usually drive the wedge between them any deeper to just sit with them and honor how they felt versus trying to dismiss that or that person really didn't mean that or you're taking it too, you're too sensitive. That, in my experience, usually just is the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I keep thinking about our wards and what's happening for you with a small group of safe people in your life at BYU. And that's for you anyway, that's enough right now to feel like you belong. And you're also contributing. It's not just that you feel belong, but you're actually being put to work and who you are. And part of that being queer is actually desirable for the work you're doing. It's, it's part of the body of Christ or everybody, part of the body of Christ is needed. So this part of you that it's sometimes may feel less worthy, not because God feels that way, because society makes you feel that way. This circle is actually looking at that part of you and saying, this is needed. This is helping us create Zion. This is helping us grow. And so I think of that and I think, because I want our church to succeed in a better way with our queer members, listeners. So I'm thinking, what can we do in wards then? Does everybody in the ward need to be an ally like Sarah? Or can in some wards just have a group of people that's gets it enough that can provide a circle and that circle then can maybe train everybody else to be a little to to learn how to be not homophobic and not transphobic and not say some of these comments that are really hurtful and that's part of the research you're doing probably is to identify how to do that and what we need to do so i'm just intrigued with both parts of the story your personal story where you felt like there was no way you could do BYU any longer and now you're kind of thriving there which is something I don't think you would have guessed possible um, six months or a year ago. And then this research and what the results are. So it's just intriguing to me. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would use the word thriving. I know. I, like, um, I don't know. <laughs> if I, but I don't, don't let me put words but in like, mouth, But I don't know if I would either say the word just surviving. I would say growing. Like, Ooh, what a great and man, word. growing okay, is painful. And there's hope in that word, Joey. Oh, it is just like, oh gosh, like growing sucks. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> um, but talking about, you know, you talking about like, how can, you know, church members do this more? Like, 
I just think, I don't know, I'm kind of, I hope you can weigh in on this a little bit, Sarah. I just feel like, you know, I've always said this, but, you know, comforting those in your comfort, even if it's outside your comfort zone, you know, like it's, it might be a little strange at first. You know, I think people like I'm seeing Sarah after all these years and all these things that she's gone through to get to this place. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's okay to recognize if where you're at, that if this makes you uncomfortable, if you're just trying to learn. And I think personally, I think that God will help you understand how to, um, do this work better. I, I wish all of you could have seen the interview that Sarah did for me. So in order to train our research assistants, um, we had them watch some practice interviews. Well, we want all these LGBTQ individuals, like all you out there who are listening to LGBTQ formerly or currently members of the church, we want you in our study. And so we didn't want to do a practice interview that we couldn't use in our study. And so Sarah interviewed me for one of our practice interviews. Um, and it was a beautiful, um, sacred experience. And, um, one of the things I shared in there was just, I wish church members saw me as a resource instead of a burden that I can contribute that, um, being queer isn't a, um, struggle per se. And I know that some people choose to use the word struggle and I want to validate that experience for them. Um, but for me, this is something that I feel like I can contribute because of, because of my identity, because of being queer, um, and really contribute to building Zion. Does that make any sense? Makes huge sense. And it's been a paradigm shift for me because I kind of thought, and I've shared this before listeners, when I stepped in the space, my job was kind of to be the good Samaritan and be the rescuer. But I've said this on the podcast before, queer people of of somewhat rescued me. They have taught me things about the gospel of Jesus Christ that no one else has taught me. And it's also helped me to realize this is a really powerful phrase you just said, Joy. I hope you recognize this, that you want to be a resource versus a burden. So now I look at Corinthians 12 and look at to be, to create sign and to be the body of Christ that Paul talks about, we need our queer members. Mm. Not just because it makes us feel better that our queer members are sitting with us. So we feel like we're doing a good job. We actually need their resources, to use that word, and their contributions, their gifts and insights, because that's what we need to create Zion. And so that, to me, has come later in my role as an ally, but it's been very transformative and very needed. So I love that, and I know Sarah feels the same way. And the other thing this story gives a lot of people hope is just there's there's really thoughtful people at BYU wanting to engage in this topic. (laughs) And there's you know, and that there's really thoughtful research so that we know better, we can do better. So I'll just turn it back to either of you to keep sharing what's on your mind. Yeah. I'll just say a little quick sarcastic comic. Imagine how much Disney music we wouldn't have if it wasn't for queer people. (laughs) (laughs) Not very much. (laughs) Um, I'll say one more thing. Um, So you don't need to be a professor at BYU or podcast host, right? To engage engage with this topic. Um, Joey used the word privilege earlier, and it is a privilege to be around queer people. Um, I think God loves all of his children, but like he loves his LGBTQ children. And um, we get the privilege of, of having them in our families and in our, in our wards and our lives. They add something really special and unique. And um, 
I've been learning a lot about how to show love and what that looks like. And, and can I share two experiences? Please. So I have a child who is um, very young, but, but gender non-conforming, gender questioning. He's very, very feminine and likes to wear rainbows and cat ears and makeup and all the things. And we had um, just two experiences from two very, very conservative church members, right? Died in the wool, Republicans, you know, um, all of the things. And that just touched my heart. So um, one is just happened today, like two hours ago. And all of the girls his age are singing, He Sent His Son in our primary program. And my, my child came home and, and was sad because he didn't get asked to sing because he's a boy, right? And he said, I don't want to be in the primary program anymore. And I said, do you want me to ask? You know, yes, I do. And so I asked um, this song leader again. And she said, of course, of course he can sing with us. Sing with the girls. And I said, fantastic. And another thing, another experience. So my, my child loves Titanic, <laughs> like, like obsessed with Titanic. And so for Halloween, he wanted to be Rose, right? From the movie. Is Rose about the coolest character in the uh, movie? She's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. And um, I was talking to my sister who, again, you know, really conservative. Um, and I, I was telling her about what Liam wanted to be for Halloween. And I said, I said, Laura, will you, will you sew a costume for him? Because I don't sew. She said, I would love to sew a Rose costume for your child. And she didn't feel the need to lecture me about how boys need to wear a certain thing or we're sending off a message or whatever. Like that was a way that she could show love for my child and watching her. sew that little costume um, said all of the things that I needed to hear about how she was creating spaces for a belonging for, for him. And not only did she do that, but she sewed me a rose costume. So we're both going to be rose from the Titanic my child says so that, that he's not alone on Halloween. So that, that's how you show love. It's in your actions. Those are pretty powerful stories. It means so much to you and your son. Yeah. Um, your gender queer, whatever vocabulary. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Just gender questioning, I think, is vocabulary. Yeah. You used at that young age, which is good vocabulary. But I love but that didn't cost anybody anything to do. It didn't cost anybody, no, there were no winners or losers. There were just winners um, to be able to sing with the girls and to be able to wear that costume. Mm -hmm. And it didn't cost anybody anything. It was just a complete grace. And I think of, I thought of Elder Redland's talk in October conference and talks a lot about unity and diversity. And I think in our church, I think we were a hundred years ago, kind of unified in our sameness. We all lived geographically on the Wasatch Front. We're all the same race, all this. But I think where the church is maturing is where we need to be is just these two stories you just shared. And this and your work is unified in diversity. Church isn't an ex I love that you talked about those political views because I think we can come together in our congregations and our families and still have political differences. The goal isn't to get everybody in the same political party and sort of move everybody in our congregation to one political party. And then we've created Zion because we've got all Democrats or Libertarians or Republicans. I think creating Zion is we all come together like Elder Renlund taught and our goal to come under Christ and bring others 
And that is a practical application of doing that. Um, that is just really simple, but really powerful. So I love those stories. Yeah, thank you. I, I absolutely agree with you. Zion is not all the same. You know, Zion is, is different and where we love. We love and embrace different. Joey. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right. His name's uh, Darius Gray. Gray. Yeah, that's right. Um, Darius Gray. I remember some of the quotes that I just always, like, he just said something that's been really impactful to me. You know, he quotes at Meet the Mormons, and I'm paraphrasing here. Um, but, you know, God is, you know, the author of diversity. You know, we look at the trees, we look at the flowers, you know, even flowers that are the same flower are still unique with their petals and leaves. And I just, I feel like diversity of thought, diversity of identity, diversity of, of who we are as individuals, um, we all come together to create something so beautiful. And so um, I think that's why I see us doing this study per se is just, we are just collecting, you know, these stories to create something beautiful. And, you know, we, we have trained our research assistants to, you know, hear um, all diversity of stories, you know, really hurtful ones, ones that have anger that is valid. Um, beautiful stories of bishops who listened, of advisors who use their students' pronouns and advise other people to use their students' pronouns. Like there, there's, there's going to be some real beauty that comes out of this study. And um, I hope we can come back and share more about it. I love this. And I think it's just time in our church where we can, I have, I think our church is strong enough and our restored gospel is strong enough that we can look inward and say, what do we need to do better? Um, I think that's just a sign of grace and a sign of growth that we need to do is we're not at the finish line on every issue in the church. And this is one where I just think it's okay to look inward and get research. And when we know better, we do better. I know that if I had read this research that you're going to publish 10 years ago or 20 years ago in my church life or my parenting life, I'm 60 listeners, it would have significantly helped me to not add to the burdens of others with my sort of misinformed opinions. And part of the reason I do this is to just repentance for what I concluded in the past that maybe a society, even the church had kind of said in the past that I just kept those with me and I wasn't willing to sort of relearn. And that's why I, I'm sort of a researcher by nature. I'm driven by, you know, research helps inform me. And so I love what you're doing. I love that it's qualitative, um, that then you can translate that into stories. And what thought, listeners, I've been thinking about the Great and Spacious Building because I just reread that. And I've wondered if sometimes I'm doing my best to hold the, to the iron rod and in the Great and Spacious Building. <laughs> and what I mean by that is the Great and Spacious Building to represents pride. And I've recognized that perhaps in the, my past and maybe now I've had pride that's kept me from sort of being willing to learn about things that I need to learn about. Um, the experience of women in the church, Darius Gray, black men in the church, uh, you know, queer Latter-day Saints. And, and it just takes a lot of, it just, sometimes I think I've looked at that great and spacious building 10 years ago and just said, that's other people. That is not me. That represents people attacking me and 
I'm here safely holding on the iron rod because of temple recommend of a calling. I'm sort of square with God. And I've sort of thought to myself, I can do all that and still look at the great and spacious and sometimes think is part of that in me in some symbolic way. And is it okay to look inward and say, what do I need to change in my life that would help me better lift the burdens of others? So that's just, I'm taking you on my morning walk listeners and just some of the things I think about as I read the scriptures and I'm reading them with different eyes now, especially this space and trying to look inward more about what I need to do to improve because I'm not at the finish line on any of these subjects. Um, we're kind of coming to the end. I'll just turn it back to either of you for any final comments. Just thank you so much for having us on and for having this conversation. And for those LGBTQ current Latter-day Saints or former Latter-day Saints, um, we would love to hear your story. It's great. Um, yeah, I just echo what Sarah said. Um, if you are someone who experiences same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria or otherwise identifies as, you know, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, wherever you are, um, we invite you to please let us hear your story. Um, we would love to, and sharing your story with us will do some great work. Great. So, Joy Shepard, thanks for reaching out. You're a good friend. Great to meet you, Dr. Sarah Coyne, and have you both on the podcast. And I encourage our listeners, look for the link in the show notes or where I post it on social media so you can connect with and share this study and get as many participants as this group can handle to give better information so that we can do better. And this is Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <music>